0: February 21st, 1994. On a peaceful wooded street in Arlington, Virginia, a man walks out his front door. That morning, his boss called, saying he should come into work. So he's headed for the office. He gets into his red Jaguar. He hits a stoplight, lights a cigarette, glances in the mirror and a car is speeding towards him federal agents he knows why they're there they pull up take him out of the car put him in handcuffs arrest him The LA Times later reports that they grabbed the cigarette out of his mouth, and the man says to himself out loud, Think, think, think. This man is Aldrich Ames. He's been a CIA operative for 31 years. And for the past nine years, he's been a mole, passing secrets to the Soviet Union. He's believed to have caused the most deaths of undercover agents in all of spy history. Official reports say he's responsible for the death of at least 10 agents. The feds had been watching Ames for months. That morning, there were 25 of them waiting in a parking lot nearby, finally ready to make their arrest. The charge? Tax evasion and conspiracy to commit espionage on behalf of Russia and the former Soviet Union. I'm Sally Helm, and this is History This Week. Today, how Aldrich Ames became one of the most damaging spies in CIA history, and how we got away with it for nine years.
1: Who was Ames? And... Why would someone flip over and betray their country, and even more direct, betray their best friends and closest confidants?
0: Picture a spy, debonair trench coat, sly, handsome smile. That was not Aldrich Ames.
1: I mean, he looked like any white male in his 50s who you might see on television working for a federal agency. He looked like your neighbor who's out there wearing Bermuda shorts, you know, mowing the lawn. Ames is not the Bond type. He's the paper-pushing,
0: glasses-wearing, nerd type. We talked about Ames with Pete Early. He's a journalist and writer who has written a lot about real-life spies. He spent 11 nights in the detention center with Ames after he was arrested. Early wasn't actually supposed to be there. And after talking with
1: Ames for all that time, he says he thinks Ames was really smart. Ames was fascinating, extremely well-read and extremely articulate. He really knew Russian history. At the age
0: of 12, Ames found out that his dad actually worked for the CIA. And Ames was fascinated by that, by secrecy and crime.
1: When he was nine years old, he started signing his name as Simon Templer, uh, who's the saint in the comic books and in the movies. And he really got into that whole world
0: Early says, at a young age, Ames felt himself to be important, special. And as he got older, a particular character trait started to emerge, one that would later serve him well.
1: I went back and I talked to his high school friends and one of the girls he dated said that he showed up for a date and he said, let's pretend we're somebody else. Let's pretend that we're from Yale and go into Georgetown and act like snooty rich kids. And she later said to me that when she dated him, he was much more comfortable playing a role or being someone else and finding the real Ames was difficult uh, even in those high school years.
0: Ames was a theater kid. That was actually what he wanted to do. He went to the University of Chicago, acted in a ton of plays, and in fact was so into theater that he flunked out of undergrad. He eventually came home and early told us Ames' dad was like, don't worry, I'll get you a job at the CIA. The Vietnam War was raging, the Cold War too, intelligence officers were in high demand, in 1967, after graduating from George Washington University, Ames entered the CIA's junior officer training program. Ames was actually part of the biggest class the CIA had ever led in. And in his training, he learns to recruit people, become a target's friend, and then slowly convince them to give up their nation's secrets to the CIA. Early says Ames was suited to the work.
1: He was so malleable and almost a chameleon, he became whatever you needed him to become so you would like him and trust him.
0: After training, Ames gets his first field posting. He's sent to recruit assets and get foreign secrets. But according to the CIA, turns out he isn't really that good at it. So he's brought back to Langley, and his focus shifts to handling Soviet contacts on American soil.
1: We were desperate for information about what was going on in the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union considered us the main enemy.
0: By the 70s, Ames's career is in full swing. He's married to a fellow CIA operative, Nancy Seabarth, and he and his wife moved to New York to work with Soviet contacts who are based there. He's doing well, but it also becomes clear during this time that he has a drinking problem. Towards the end of 1994, the Senate writes a report, 136 pages, with a detailed analysis of the whole Ames incident. It's based on information from the CIA. That document is where we're getting a lot of these details. It mentions two very drunken Christmas parties in 1973 and 1974. Not a good look for a CIA operative. But nonetheless, Ames's career is stable. He even gets a few promotions, a bonus— But his marriage is kind of shaky. And in 1981, Ames gets a new assignment.
1: Then they send him to Mexico, and this is where his life really takes a huge turn.
0: He's posted undercover as a diplomat. His wife stays back in New York. Ames is in Mexico to recruit potential informants and contacts to spy for the CIA. And while on assignment, he meets a Colombian woman named Maria Rosario.
1: One of Ames' co-workers recruits her.
0: The CIA is trying to use Rosario to get information. But she and Ames fall in love and begin an affair. She thinks he's a diplomat. And when his assignment ends, she wants to come back with him to D.C. So he decides to tell her the truth.
1: Then he tells her he's CIA. And she is devastated. She thought she was marrying a rich diplomat.
0: But... Rosario still loves him and wants to marry him. Back in D.C., she starts to put pressure on Ames to get a divorce. He finally admits to his wife that he's no longer in love, he's cheating, and she sues for divorce. In September of 1984, he goes to New York to make it official. And the divorce is going to be expensive.
1: Basically, he needs $50,000 to get out of this marriage.
0: Ames also has a ton of credit card debt, tens of thousands of dollars. Early told us Rosario had some expensive habits.
1: He marries someone who is all into material goods, someone who's all into looks. And what does he do? He gets all his teeth capped, starts dressing in designer suits.
0: So this is where the next part of the
1: Ames story begins.
0: Ames is in a tough spot. He's getting this divorce. Cash is tight.
1: And he literally tells me he's sitting there, riding home on the train, thinking I could rob a bank and get the money. And then he thinks, oh, no, I'd probably get caught. And then he thinks, what do I have? It's secrets. And he comes up with this scenario. He thinks he's so smart, he can sell secrets to the Russians and not get caught.
0: Ames has access to information. He decides he's going to basically tell the Soviets who their moles are. These are people who the KGB thinks are on their side, but Ames knows that they're giving information to the CIA. And according to Early, Ames tells himself doing this isn't that wrong.
1: He convinces himself that it's justified because they would have given him up if they knew his name and they knew the risks they were taking.
0: When Ames gets back to work, he makes a plan. In April 1985, he arranges a lunch meeting with a contact who works in the Soviet embassy. It's on the books. The CIA knows about it. They think Ames is going to try to convince the guy to tell them Soviet secrets. But actually, Ames himself is planning to flip. So he goes to this lunch. He has a letter with him. He's prepared to give it to this contact.
1: He's written a letter saying, I will give you the names of agents who are working for us if you give me 50,000.
0: But the Soviet diplomat doesn't show.
1: So Ames gets his courage screwed up, has two or three vodkas, he's irritated, and he walks down and walks right in the Soviet embassy.
0: That Senate report says that Ames hands over the letter addressed to this Soviet contact. And in it, he names two or three Soviets who have offered to pass secrets to the CIA. He also includes an internal document that he thinks will help prove he's legit. And he asks for $50,000. About a month later.
1: The diplomat contacts him and says, hey, I'm willing to meet with you at lunch. So he goes to the lunch.
0: According to the Senate report, Ames is led to a private room. He's handed a note. It says, yeah, you can have your $50,000. So, Ames gets a bag of cash. And in the coming months, there are consequences.
1: Those two people who he identified are put on a plane, sent back to Russia, and both are assassinated.
0: Ames later told investigators that he had planned to stop here. He said, I'm still puzzled as to what took me to the next steps. There was as much money as I could ever use if I chose to do that. Early told us, once Ames opened the door, it was hard to turn back.
1: There is no way for him to quit now.
0: The Senate report says that later, during the summer of 85, Ames walked out the front door of CIA headquarters with five to seven pounds of classified information wrapped in plastic bags. No one stopped him.
1: And so he literally does what he calls the big dump, and he goes and he gives up every spy we have working for us, our most valuable human assets. I mean, these were our eyes into the Kremlin, and we had it penetrated like holes in cheese, and they executed 10 of them within a year.
0: This, of course, does not escape the CIA's notice.
1: Ames said to me, it was like they put up a big neon sign over the CIA saying, mole, mole, mole.
0: It's clear by the fall of 85 that there is a leak in the CIA. But Ames isn't arrested until 1994 the Senate report on this incident gives a bunch of possible reasons why it took so long, but primarily bad management and supervision within the CIA. Early says, from his perspective, Ames got away so long for three reasons.
1: One. I call it attitudinal loyalty. You work for the CIA and you assume everyone is going to be loyal at this point in our history. We don't believe our own people would betray us. Now, we have since changed that mind, but at that point in history, we didn't believe that.
0: The second reason, Early says, there were some internal politics at play. There was a notorious chief of counterintelligence at the CIA who had created a lot of paranoia in the agency
1: falsely accusing people of being spies, ruining their career. And so there was a real strong feeling of, we don't want to go through this again, which enabled Ames to slip through the cracks in many ways.
0: And the third reason?
1: The Russians then actively began sending out false flags.
0: Right around this time, another spy, Edward Lee Howard, gets caught passing secrets to the Soviets. That gets a lot of attention and keeps Ames off the radar. And the KGB is playing that up, being like, oh yeah, it was that guy. That way they can keep getting information from Ames. But the CIA and FBI are still suspicious. In September of 1986, the FBI begins an investigation, looking for a CIA mole. And meanwhile, Ames is still spying and his bank account is growing. In the end, he would get about $2 million from the KGB, and this is back in the 80s. Ames and Rosario begin spending money like crazy.
1: They embark on this life trying to almost buy happiness because their own marriage is on this rough, rough course.
0: They buy expensive houses in cash. They buy cars, fancy clothes. Eventually, that money trail will come back to haunt Ultra James.
1: It all came down to the curtains.
0: For a while after the FBI opened that investigation, Ames is not on their radar. But in November of 1989, they get a clue. A colleague of Ames's comes over to his house for coffee. Her name's Diana Wortham, and she's friends with Ames's wife, Rosario.
1: She was over at their house, and she said, Oh, you bought this new house. What are you going to do about curtains? And Rosario said, Oh, I'm going to have a designer come in and put up all new curtains and take care of it. And Diane went home and she said, I know how much Ames makes. How can he possibly have a designer come in and put curtains on all these windows? So
0: she mentions it to the FBI mole hunting team. They start to watch Ames more closely.
1: They call him the FBI for a meeting, and when he's in the meeting, they put a transmitter on his car so they can follow his car. Then they actually go in his house, and they plant bugs inside his house.
0: At one point, they sneak around and search his trash, find an incriminating note all torn up. It basically says he's going to go do spy stuff in Bogota. The team also finds some incriminating financial records. Some of the time, the CIA knew who Ames was meeting with and when because it was part of his job. And when they look closer, they find...
1: Every time he met with someone he was, quote, recruiting, the next day he put $9,000 into an account. They then knew that he was getting paid by the Russians.
0: And finally, one day in February 1994, the FBI is ready. They have Ames' boss call him in for an early meeting. He leaves the house, gets into his car, and they pounce.
1: Cars swooped in, it was very dramatic, guns pulled, got him, handcuffed him, and he immediately knew why they were there, but he was also smart enough to keep his mouth shut.
0: Ames spied for the money, and the money got him caught.
1: When someone of this magnitude is caught, it's all over the news, huge headlines.
0: Eventually, Ames pleads guilty and is sentenced to life. He's still in prison today. One question in the case is how much Rosario knew and when. She was eventually sentenced, too, to 63 months in prison. And Early reminds us that the story does not end there.
1: We've talked about Ames. What we haven't talked about were the victims. One of the victims was a general And I met with his family. He was retired. He was a grandfather. They caught him. They interrogated him. They tortured him. They took him out. And then they told the family all about it. And can you imagine losing a loved one like that?
0: Early told us that Ames feels no remorse. That became clear to him when he talked to Ames back in 1994, all those nights in the detention center.
1: I said to him one point, I said, why did you keep doing it? Why did you run the risk? And he said, I loved going to work and watching all these people who thought they were so brilliant. And I knew better than them.
0: The government has actually interviewed and studied people like Ames who become double agents. The study has been partially declassified. It was called Project Slammer.
1: And they went into jails and prisons and they talked to people that spied and they did a profile just like the FBI does.
0: According to Project Slammer, Ames is kind of a classic case. Many double agents spy because they feel like they're in a tough spot. No other options. They consider themselves special and unique. They try to tell themselves this is a victimless crime. Early says there have been several spies like Ames in American history. And he also says there will be more.
1: There's no doubt in my mind right now that there's an Aldrich James working for the U.S. government who is selling secrets to the Russians. Absolutely no doubt that there's somebody doing that at this very moment. Every time you catch someone of the people go, oh, my God, that's horrible. How could he do it? 1% says, I could have done it better, and I can get away with it.
0: Thanks for listening to History This Week. For more moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on history today. This podcast is produced by McKamey Lynn, Julie McGruder, and me, Sally Helm. Our editor and sound designer is Dan Rosado, and our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next week.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.